the crux of emotional intelligence is helping you understand how you show up. And I think that when we start to understand how we show up, we can better understand how our leadership affects others. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step. I'm Trisha, the CEO of Belay. And I'm Lisa, the CFO of Belay. Okay, so today, guys, we have a very unique episode for you. I have the honor of interviewing the lovely Lisa LZ today. Uh, If you don't know, Lisa is very passionate about helping develop emerging leaders and new entrepreneurs. And so we're going to chat about why she's so passionate about that and how leaders can unlock their potential, make an impact on their teams, and succeed professionally and personally. I'm excited, LZ. That's a long <laughs> list of things, right? I know. You ready to bring it? <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. This is super fun. I like this. Yeah. Well, so we've done over 50 episodes now. I'm so That's proud of crazy. us. Look at us go. I yeah. And I feel like our audience probably has a a good idea about you. They've learned a lot about us mm-hmm. along the way, but is there some random thing maybe you have not shared that you would love to share as an icebreaker? Like random fun LZ fact. Yeah, random fun. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I'm kind of an open book, so I feel like there's not much that people don't know about me. But people are usually surprised to find out that I have lived in 27 different homes. I mean, that's a lot of houses. That's yeah. a lot. That, I mean, I feel like that's a lot. That's an interesting fact. I don't think many yes. people could say that. No, no. And, and I mean, I, I'm not embarrassed of my age. So this is being recorded in 2021. So I just turned 46. So I've lived in 27 different homes, right? So not even like, so not cities yeah. or anything like, but 20s, I've moved 27 times in mm. 46 years. So it's like yes. every other year, every more other than year. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's interesting because that definitely plays into my personality and mm. really how kind of going back to why I value people so much, mm. because moving that often in, I mean, a lot of that mm. movement happened when I was school age. Mm. And so I'd be, you know, I went to eighth grade and two different schools. I went to Mm -hmm. two different schools in seventh grade. Um, So I did a lot of movement and I had to Mm. learn to meet people really easily and sort of converge on different social circles. And I know what it's like to be the outsider. And so I feel like Mm. I have so much more empathy and compassion because I have been the outsider a lot. And I don't Mm. know. I feel like that new girl. Yeah. yeah, you've yeah. been a new girl. So, Here's what else, as your friend, I would say that has shown up in your life is that probably because you've moved so frequently, you are one that does not save things. You <laughs> you don't so have true. boxes of crap in an attic. Like you no. could like pack three boxes and move your whole life in a minute, right? Like you are the opposite of like a pack rat, right? Like you are yeah. like, you keep what you feel you must keep, and the rest is gone. 
Yes, that is so true. That is so true. Yeah, my parents were not sentimental people. Well, I should say that my my mom is not very sentimental. I think that my dad definitely keeps a lot more stuff than my mom does. My parents are divorced. And so huh, there you go. Um, maybe there's something there. <laughs> Another fun fact, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but neither um, kept a lot of things from my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I don't have like Barbies or yes. like old clothes or any Your of that. kindergarten I mean, just, diploma. No, 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 no. They, yeah. they, they got yeah. rid of that stuff long mm. before. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my husband, Michael, his mom was also not someone that kept a lot of things. She had one box mm. of Michael's stuff from when he was a child and that was it. And so I think when we got married and mm. we, and I mean, I kind of like moving now because mm. I did it as a kid, right? I'm conditioned mm. to like change. Yeah. I'm conditioned mm-hmm. to like moving. And so um, as we started to build our own family, we just sort of did the same thing. So I've had to be really yeah. conscious about saving things for my children because it's so ingrained in me not to save it that I'm also, I'm a little afraid that I might get rid of too much. Um, Now they're older. And so now I can actually ask them those questions like, Hey, does this bear actually mean anything to you? And they can say yes or no. But, but yeah, that's, that's interesting that you shared that. Great little tidbit about LZ. So I can see how it leads into this whole conversation a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about why you are so passionate about helping people develop as professionals and leaders. And so I know your background and your history plays into all that, but I'd love you to share why why you are. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I shared earlier, number one is I really do love people and I want to respect people for who they are and I want to meet them for where they are, right? Because again, as the new girl, as the outsider, um, I've talked about it before in my TED talk, you know, I'm, I was the redhead with freckles who was picked on. I was poor growing up. It was all the things that made mm-hmm. for a really good joke, right? And so I was kind of always the butt of all the jokes. And so being the butt of all the jokes, it really helps you understand how vulnerable people are and what it mm. feels like to be on the opposite side of that. So I think that just generally, I care a lot about people because I know what they're feeling. I feel so much what other people feel and I want to help mm-hmm. them. Um, how that translates into, you know, being a leader and a professional is I think that we're all sort of wandering through life, trying to make other people feel like we have it all together and we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that the crux of it all, we don't know what we're doing. And most of us are going through life sort of blindly. <laughs> and I think that that goes to leadership too. I think that you start to work hard and people recognize that you have great work ethic and that you're talented. And so they kind of um, put you in positions where you start to lead people. But at the core of it, you're still a person who brings all of that hurt, all that joy, all that happiness, all the all the things of who you are as a person, you bring that into your leadership. And so I don't think that it's in most organizations, there's a lot of thought that goes into helping someone be a great leader. And so they mm-hmm. end up leading from their own self. And that's not always a good place. Now, Belay, we do a fantastic mm-hmm. job of that. Um, I know you and I have said that time and time again, how much we've grown because Belay has poured into us with coaches and leadership talent. But I don't think most people have that opportunity. And so I just want to give back everything that I've learned mm-hmm. over, you know, my 20 some years in leadership. Yeah, I love that. And you you do. It's really at the core of who you are, you know, the the give back, the mentorship component of um, how you show up as a leader. Would you say that's one of the main obstacles that leaders face in their development? Is it a, is it a 
lack of mentorship, or what would you say are the main obstacles you see when you're working with mentees? Yeah, I I definitely think it's a lack of guidance. I think it can be mentorship. I happen to really value mentorship because I value relationships. And I think that it's easier to go to somebody and be like, hey, um, I'm kind of struggling with this and have somebody that you uh, value or revere kind of speak into your life. But I think overall, a good blanket term would just be guidance, right? I mean, again, if you look Mm -hmm. at sort of, um, you know, thinking back to maybe your first job at retail or fast food, right? You start as a hourly employee, you maybe part time and then you have some freedom and maybe you become full time. And then there's enough movement in those type of environments that they need a manager. Well, you could be a manager because you did so good working on the floor, right? And they might tell you how to, you know, teach you how to work on schedules and maybe understanding the basic accounting, but they don't really spend a lot of time with you understanding, number one, how to lead people, but number two, also how to help your own career. And so I think that Mm -hmm. for me, it's really important Um, When you grow leaders, not just to promote somebody into a leadership role, but really spend time with them and help them understand what it means to be a leader. It's not just to, you know, corral the team members. Mm -hmm. It's not just Mm -hmm. to get them all on the same page. But at the end of the day, I want people to leave my leadership and say that I help them become a better leader and a better person. But that takes time. Mm Yeah, absolutely. That's not like, you know, here, read this book, read this training manual. It's it's not a hard oh. skill set by any means. It's it's an investment. Yeah. And one that you may, as, a, as the leader who is encouraging and guiding, one you may actually not see fully under your leadership, right? I mean, because yeah. the idea is that, you know, you're building leaders who will go out and build other leaders. And that may be within your organization, and it may not be within your organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have we have the ability to affect people who we don't even work with in a leadership or guidance capacity, which is even more fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I know you're you're a big proponent of emotional intelligence and its importance Mm -hmm. in the role of a healthy leader. So talk to us a little bit about EQ. Yeah. Well, I have to give uh, some credit to Dr. Scott Livingston. He was a, a client of Belay. And through you know, getting to know him, um, I learned a lot about it and, of course, have read tons of books and uh, have worked with Scott personally and professionally um, to really understand emotional intelligence. And now it's sort of like this, I feel like it's almost like my buzzword in my in my vocabulary. <laughs> you know, you walk by somebody, please tell me I'm not the only person who's like an armchair psychologist, you know, I'll be at a restaurant. Well, that person could really use some more EQ. Like, oh, my God. Um, So it could be good and bad. (laughs) But I think that it really, the, you know, the, the crux of emotional intelligence is helping you understand how you show up. And I think that when we start to understand how we show up, we can better understand how our leadership affects others. So right, or what's driving? Yes, what's behind why we show up that way? Right. Yes. Yeah. Emotionally, so I, I just, like right, triggers, yeah. understanding your triggers and what presses your button and then how you react to the button. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that then you start to understand 
personality conflicts, you know, within mm. your own team. I think that, you know, you can see why maybe you have a harder time connecting with one person mm. because it's, you know, you just don't know how to read the room, right? Emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day can be summed up as like, you just really not understanding how to read the room and how you show mm. up in the room, Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's so many times when people, and again, that's another skill. Mm -hmm. I get off on another soapbox talking about like, why don't we teach this stuff in schools? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we should be teaching everybody this. Um, but it's so important that you don't walk in and become the awkward turtle, right, of a situation or leading a team because you don't happen to know that your own insecurities are showing up in a way that makes other people feel like you're not a very strong leader. And then you're wondering mm -hmm. why you can't get people to do the things you want them to do. Oh, well, it's because you show up this way. And unless you're right. willing to invest the time in understanding yourself and how other people perceive you, then I don't think that you can grow as a leader. And I think that you're, then you're capped mm -hmm. in your potential. Yeah, because when you lose influence over your team, you've lost the ability to, to lead them well. You've, you lose yeah. effectiveness um, as a leader if you diminish the respect you have in the room honestly, by how you yeah. show up or whatever. Yeah, totally. And it's not yeah. about changing. You and I spend a lot of time talking about this, right? It's, it's not about changing who you are. You know, emotional intelligence is just about understanding who you are. So, you know, you can be a very emotional person who feels a mm -hmm. lot of things, right? And you want to feel, I mean, I just mm -hmm. talked about that myself. Mm -hmm. I feel for people, I'm empathetic. Mm -hmm. But I also know that that's not... Um, that I have to minimize that reaction or tailor that maybe a reaction that I mm -hmm. might have so that it doesn't come across as that I'm making emotional decisions, mm -hmm. right? Or right. that I can't handle something when it's hard. And so I think it's just learning how to take those feelings mm -hmm. um, and modify them in the situation that you are. Again, you still have mm -hmm. them. They're still a yeah. part of who you are, but it's just how you're showing up with all of them. And that's what is key mm -hmm. to me on emotional intelligence. It's, it's not mm -hmm. about labels or changing yourself. It's just modifying that behavior over time. Yeah, know thyself first. So when a leader feels unequipped or mm -hmm. stuck, what would be the first thing you'd recommend they do or steps they take? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that you need to find the right guide, whether that's a, a person, mm -hmm. right? I, I think that um, we identify with other people mm -hmm. because, you know, people look like you, right? It's yeah. easy to model after that. And so I think that finding somebody that a guide to either help walk you through it is great, or at least writing it down, writing the plan mm -hmm. down, I think is the, is the first step in feeling stuck. I also think that you have to understand and spend time. And this is so scary. And I've actually been doing this um, myself recently on just some other areas that I noticed are gaps in my life. And so I can I can actually speak the truth into this. It's scary to sit alone by yourself with a piece of paper and to go, why am I feeling why I'm feeling? And I mm -hmm. think that when someone is stuck, right, in, in leadership, mm -hmm. maybe they're not advancing to the leadership position they want. Maybe they're in a leadership position that they don't want, right? There's a lot of reasons mm -hmm. for it. But I think that you need to sit down and sort of start with an inventory of why am I here and why am I feeling this way? And then 
creating a guide around that or looking for someone to help you in a guide. Um, and that could be a mentor, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you start to model what you see, you start customizing mm-hmm. your approach to it. And ultimately, you put down some real goals that you can follow through and sort of measure yourself by in order to get you from A to B. Yeah. And what I find fascinating too, I love that. And and I know you, you are an advocate of this and do it yourself personally is typically when you, when you tell somebody, write, what are your goals? Write down your goals. Mm -hmm. Um, What they usually send you is a to-do list. Right. Yeah. I'm um, like, yeah. I'm going to, you know, it's probably a list of things that a leader thinks they should go do because that's going to make them a better leader. And where you see gaps is, but how do these goals advance you or unlock your leadership potential? Like, do any of these point back to like literal personal and professional development? Not right. like, Yes. Okay. If your goal is to get some kind of certification and that's going to help you in your career, of course, those things make sense. But if you have a gap in stage fright or something, I don't represent well on stage, right? And so you might have a goal that that is something you should improve, but the how, the why, the what, the how are you improving yourself as a person, not checking off a bunch of like to-do items on a list that becomes Mm -hmm. goals. Anyway, that's something I've seen like in goal gaps so many times. And I'd love to know specifically from you, if you were to suggest like three things, three tools, three actions, three opportunities for somebody listening who feels like they have potential that they're not recognizing, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend or suggest they do to take steps in the right direction for themselves. Yeah, well, I I kind of want to go back to what you were just talking about in in the goal gaps too, right? So I think that, and you and I have seen this time and time again, I'm sure this is going to get a reaction out of you, right? Like when people want to be a leader because either they just want to help people, Mm -hmm. I just want to help people, I want to lead people, right? Or they do it because they want, you know, the uh, the classic, uh, we're going to call it a virtual uh, fancy mm-hmm. office, right? The, the glass yeah, office, yeah. the corner glass office that everybody yeah. wants, right? So, so often people, well, I want to become a better leader because I want to lead people better or because I want that, you know, that office. And mm-hmm. they don't focus in on themselves. And so their goals are very externally focused, externally focused. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right? So like, I'm going to become a better leader so I can become VP. Well, to me, that's right. that's very externally focused, right? It's or also the opposite. <laughs> right, right. Yes. You're going to come VP because you're a better leader. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Or I'm going to work on my leadership because I love people and I want to help people. Well, that's great, but you have to help them reach your company's goals, mm-hmm. right? I right. love people. I just said that, but I'm a leader because ultimately I'm here to make help the business grow which has this phenomenal effect on helping other people grow too. So I just wanted to clarify yeah. that. So I think that when I talk a lot about goals, right, people just make them these very odd goals. And so when we're talking about unlocking a leader's potential, it's about their potential, right? It's not about mm-hmm. a job title. It's not about um, helping people. Again, that's all external things. I think, you know, it goes back to they have to work on their emotional intelligence. They have to know how other people perceive them. One of the best questions that we have been taught to ask is like, what does it feel like to be on the other side of me? 
It's basically like a 365, mm-hmm. you know, evaluation. Mm-hmm or 360 evaluation, you know, what does it feel like to be on the other side of me? And when you start to ask those questions, you get a glimpse into emotional intelligence. So I think that you need to Mm -hmm. understand your emotional intelligence. I also think that you need to work on relationships. Um, This can be really hard, especially right now in today's climate to go out and network and get to know people. Mm -hmm. But relationships matter. Um, You actually do have to value people if you're going to be a great leader. Um, And you have to value people. You're not climbing to the top, right? You're not elevating with nobody around you. Right. Like you don't rise alone. You just don't. No, 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 no. So you need a great support system. Um, You actually need people who are going to advocate for you. I'm Mm -hmm. a big believer when I mentor women one-on-one, I always say that they need to find somebody who is going to speak their name in a really good way in environments mm-hmm. when they're not around. So you need an yeah. advocate who will go, oh my gosh, you know, Trisha, you're not mm-hmm. here, but I'm with a group of people and I'm going, oh my gosh, she's the most amazing person ever. Like you need yeah. people in your life to mm-hmm. say that. Right so you people. need to work on yeah. relationships with people who can be your advocate. You also need to mm-hmm. work on relationships with the people you're going to lead because mm-hmm. um, you have to understand that you're going to be leading people who aren't like you. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard sometimes Mm -hmm. because they're going to have different interests. They're going to respond to Mm -hmm. things differently and you have to show up and lead them well anyway. And then lastly, you have to work on your skill set. So, you know, if you have a skill gap, then you have to be smart enough to know where to go get that additional Mm -hmm. education or training so that you can rise above that. Uh, Depending upon what type of leadership position you're in, if you're more of a manager or director, you're probably going to be more hands-on. And so that it's going to be important for you to have a skill to do that hands-on work. As you rise to VP and an executive, it's going to really be about your strategy and your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not easy for everybody. I mean, we have seen yeah. leaders who you know, aren't able to advance because they don't have those two components right there. And so I think leaning into that is, is very helpful. hard. I don't think people realize, you know, the further up the ladder you go, you move through these different progressive uh, seasons where, you know, at lower level, you're more of a doer than at management, you become a driver of things. And then as an executive, you, you will become a visionary, a dreamer of, you know, a vision caster. And it's very different to be a doer than it is to be a vision caster. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know because I went through this evolution in my leadership journey, you know, you were there alongside me, where Mm -hmm. I am am a doer. Mm -hmm. I'm a doer. Like, I love to do. (laughs) That's how it all started. And I love to drive. But I had to learn, I had to teach myself because it it was important for me because I wanted to get to the next level that I had to learn how to stop being the doer and be the vision caster. And yep. that those are very soft, fluffy skill sets, but there's, there's complete control of mine in teaching myself to make that shift. And I knew if I remain to the doer, then I will be forever the doer. Right. I cannot be the leader and the doer. I've got to teach, I got to hold myself accountable for letting go of the doing and teach myself because it's my responsibility how to be a vision caster and a visionary leader. 
Yeah. It's nobody else's responsibility. Not yours, not my boss's, not the organization's. It's mine. It's completely my responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And I think that one of the key areas we have seen as people have moved on their leadership journey is it's usually the person who's like, I'm so busy. And you go, oh, okay, well, can you tell me what you're doing? And a lot of times it's (laughs) a, (laughs) they're doing something, A list of things they shouldn't be doing. That's what they're doing. (laughs) And so, um, you know, there are times when we have this very painful time tracking (laughs) exercise that we've all done at one time or another, but it's so eye-opening because then you start to write it down. If you were at the position where you're a VP or executive or just somebody who's been um, directed to cast vision and think strategically in your business... And yet you are still working on spreadsheets or, Mm -hmm. you know, you are the order filler or whatever your job is. And yet you don't have time to think strategically and to cast the vision. That's when you know that your priorities are messed up and you need to find Mm -hmm. someone to delegate that to. Um, But it's usually a clear warning sign when someone's like, oh my gosh, I'm drowning. Okay, what you working on? Tell me what you're working on. (laughs) Yeah, because at the end of the day, you want your really good leaders to not be executors. And so if they're Mm -hmm. executing on things, there's a reset that needs to be done there. Right. Yeah. You know, for for their accountability, for their potential, for Mm -hmm. you as their leader even. Yeah, Yeah. I love that very much. So it's been said that everyone is a leader in their own way. And it's true. We are all Mm -hmm. in our very own way are leaders. But in terms of leading people, Mm -hmm. how could somebody know if that's that's right for them. Leading people. We've had a lot of people we've seen through leadership academies that we do here at Belay, where people want to be a leader and then you put them through a leadership academy. Turns out that's not actually for them. And so what would you say to someone who thinks they want to be a leader, but is that actually what they really want? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a whole list of things. The first thing that popped into my mind right now is accountability. And it goes on both sides. It is somebody who can keep others accountable, but that they can also keep themselves accountable. Right. That is the worst, the, in my opinion. <laughs> That is the word right there. Right. Accountability. Accountability. If you can't hold, if you're not comfortable with accountability, it's going to be really hard to be a leader. Right. Yes. It's so hard because what we find is that usually if you have a hard time keeping yourself accountable, you definitely Mm -hmm. can't keep other people accountable. And if you've been able to squeak by and make people think that you can keep yourself accountable, it definitely shows up when you go to keep others accountable. And we've seen this time and time again here at Belay, where they love Mm -hmm. people so much. This goes back to what I said before, Mm -hmm. when people are like, I want to be a leader because I love people and I want to help them. And then they start leading people. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, that team's KPIs, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, just are horrible, right? Mm. Or they're not following through. And so there's Mm. missed deadlines. Like, oh, well, I mean, I told them that they had to get it done. And yeah, but did you follow up with them? Did you have strict Mm. deadlines? Like, it's all of because leading people is difficult. Like I just said, there are going to be people with different personalities, Mm. different backgrounds, different cultures. Like, they're they're not maybe going to look or sound like you. And you've got to lead them. You've got to know how to encourage them, motivate them. And so it's not for the faint of heart. But at its core, mm-hmm. you have to do what you promise. Mm-hmm. You actually have to follow through on what your promises were. And sometimes 
you've just made promises for a team that you're going to be held accountable for. And so you have to keep those team members accountable for it. Because absolutely poop rolls uphill. Doesn't leadership land. Doesn't leadership land. Thank you for the edit. And, and, you know, my final remarks, uh, you know, also are, you know, we've all heard the phrasing, right? Poop goes uphill. (laughs) Um, And praise and encouragement usually does not. And so you've also heard the phrase, you know, it's lonely at the top. And Mm -hmm. the truth is, it very well can be. And so deciding to lead is really a very Mm self-sacrificing decision because you are literally putting what is best for an organization and the people inside of it before anything else. And it comes with a lot of judgment Mm -hmm. and persecution potentially and disagreement, like Everybody's never going to agree with every decision you make as a leader or every word you say. And at the end of the day, if things like that will get to you, you'll be heartbroken. And so you you really have to have, you know, tough skin and understand that leadership is really a sacrifice. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a a microscope, really, that... Yeah. ...shines upon you, you know, a magnifying glass. And from what you wear... Um, I know yeah. this happens a lot in church leadership, from yeah. what you wear to what you drive to your home mm-hmm. to yeah. how you sound, the word choices you make, how you show up on stage, how you shake somebody's hand. Do you mm-hmm. embrace them? Do you not embrace them? Every yes. single thing you do is is scrutinized. And so I love that you brought that up because I, I think that mm-hmm. a lot of folks don't understand the pressure. It's not just the responsibility is the pressure of it, like your decision-making, but the pressure on how you're viewed by others. Yeah, it is definitely not for the faint at heart. No, no. No. Well, thank you. I've loved this conversation. This is so fun. This is so fun. But wait, before we go. Oh, yes. It's it's not an episode unless I ask you, right, what what you're, you know, what you got from this, because I think that you bring so much also to this conversation because you pour so much into other people. And I know that one of the things that you love to do is is to build leaders. And you've done that Mm -hmm. phenomenally well here at Belay and in your your past life. So what would maybe not a takeaway, but you know, Mm -hmm. what is one more thing that you would tell folks maybe who are listening and who are trying to figure out if leadership is right for them or if they're unstuck, just, just, I don't know, maybe a nugget for them that maybe I didn't hit on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say I just build off what you said. And my takeaway from this conversation truly is the value of outside perspective. So Mm -hmm. it is great to work with people that you can have honest dialogue and conversation with, and you can bounce ideas off of. But when you think through the idea of who is your guide and who speaks into your leadership and your life, really having kind of a third party outside perspective to me is so important. We've had the opportunity to work with mentors and coaches. And so I would say, if you're serious about your leadership journey, find somebody you don't work with to 
counsel you and invest in you. And I feel like you hit on, you hit on that in all of it. And I know you do yeah. that personally for other people, but for me, that's, that's a big one is that I feel like, you know, I've noted, I've felt and recognized growth in my life through, you know, the coaching and the opportunities I've been presented that are people even outside of my day to day, because they really have a completely different filter and perspective on how they can challenge you. And so that's yeah. my takeaway is that I, I believe in coaching and mentoring as, and the value that it brings to somebody who's on a leadership journey. Yeah. Perfect. Great way to end, Yay. Trisha. Love it. <laughs> Yay. So now I get to steal your lines. Oh, uh, as always, guys, we have a download for you so you can take your one next step. Um, and this week's download is actually the link to Lisa's TED Talk. She can yeah. say she's TED Talk famous. I may not. Um, take a <laughs> listen, guys. It's a good one. It's full of excellent nuggets. I hope you love it. If you want the link to her TED Talk, please text the phrase One Next Step to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com and you'll get access to the resource so that you can keep moving forward. So thank you for joining us and join us next week for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. That's right. So start by making today count. Hey guys, you don't want to miss next week's episode when we switch things up a little and I get the pleasure of interviewing Trisha. She will share a little more of her story and talk about ways we can stop self-doubt and become a more confident leader. Here's a clip from our conversation. I have this insatiable belief, maybe it's because of how I was raised, that we can do anything. I can do anything. Like right. no one can stop you. No one can stop me. I really did believe. I mean, even in the seasons where I felt like maybe I was kicked down and I was told, no, that's not going to happen for you. Of course, you sit there for a minute, you recognize the self-doubt, and then you have to just pick yourself up and say, I'm going to call bullshit on that, right? Like, there's nothing I can't do. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.